think the thing that's hard for people our age is like we're coming from a generation of people where we've only seen them do one thing Mm. and so we think that we also have to just do like one or maybe two or like if we're horrible three things Hi, and um, welcome to That Sounds Legit. He's Seth, and I'm Andy. How's it going? It's fine. Mm, that's good. I'm fine. How are you fine? I'm fine. It's fine. We're living in that meme. I feel like we've talked about this before. Yeah. But we're mm-hmm. living in a more exaggerated version of that meme currently. Mm-hmm. Um, so podcast announcements. Yeah. Do you have anything? So this week they announced new regulations in California to kind of reinforce the stay-at-home orders, which is good to combat the quote-unquote virus, but it's hard to, you know, find work and have jobs and have a, have a normal life. Also, this week, both of our cars broke down. Well, yeah. well I guess they've, they've been having issues, but this week it's official The they're both not doing well. They're not doing well. <laughs> they're not well. One of them doesn't start, and the other one, when you idle, feels like you're on like a wooden roller coaster. <laughs> it does shake like you're on a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. Yeah, when we drive the other car, anytime we're idling, we're both like, you're doing a good job, car. <laughs> Just keep going. Constant good thoughts uh, for the car. Another good news, we discovered the uh, jalapeno limeade from Trader Joe's. Yeah. Which makes an excellent margarita. Yep. If you like it a little spicy. So definitely recommend that little bit. What yeah. about what about you, Andy? Um, well I have a serious podcast announcement. <laughs> <laughs> um, not Trader Joe's related. Um, but I feel like I should say other things. Well, <laughs> I did just want to note that uh, yesterday John Lewis did pass away, and as I'm sure you know, or you don't know, and you learned, or you don't know at all, um, he was one of the big six leaders in the civil rights movement in the 60s, and then continued to fight for people's rights since he was in Congress the year we were born, in 1987, so quite the legend. We just had to hold for an airplane. If you've ever recorded audio, you know how disruptive a plane can be. And I swear, where we live in Los Angeles, like sounds like we live next to a military air force base. But we don't. But we don't. Yeah. That one sounded like it was trying to land in the courtyard. <laughs> but it didn't. No, no. Just so you know. Just routine flyby. Anyways, go ahead. 
So I'd like to read a quote from John Lewis. You are a light. You are the light. Never let anyone, any person, or any force dampen, dim, or diminish your light. Study the path of others to make your way easier and more abundant. Lean towards the whispers of your own heart, discover the universal truth, and follow its dictates. Release the need to hate, to harbor division, and the enticement of revenge. Release all bitterness. Hold only love, only peace in your heart, knowing that the battle of good to overcome evil is already won. Choose confrontation wisely, but when it is your time, don't be afraid to stand up, speak up, and speak out against injustice. And if you follow your truth down the road to peace and the affirmation of love, if you shine like a beacon for all to see, then the poetry of all the great dreamers and philosophers is yours to manifest in a nation, a world community, and a beloved community that is finally at peace with itself. Well, that's pretty perfect. Yeah. And very perfect for right now, actually. It is, yeah. And literally every other time. Yeah. I like that. Universal truths. Universal truths. So that's my podcast announcement. It's okay. pretty it's pretty big. It's pretty heavy. It's pretty there. It's pretty real. Yeah. Do you have any highlights? Um, yeah, the Los Angeles Zoo posted a picture of a baby gorilla. Her name's Angela. <laughs> She's real cute. <laughs> you love animals. I just wanted to shout out if your local zoo has an Instagram, you should probably follow them. Because just a daily dose of positive. Because one, they can't accept you in to actually see the animals right now, and you would be supporting them. And they post really cute pictures of animals. So, Fun fact, Andy's dad actually ran a zoo where we're from in New Mexico. Yep. The Living Desert. Living Desert Zoo and Gardens. So you basically grew up in a zoo. Yeah. I could go anywhere. I, well, I couldn't go anywhere I wanted, but... So when you watched the movie We Bought a Zoo, did it make you feel like that was you? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Is your dad like Matt Damon at all? No. I know the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. Did you have a favorite animal at the Living Desert Zoo? The buffalo. Mm, they were fun to see. I remember as a child, the buffalo to me looked like it was 20 feet tall. Like the biggest animal you've ever seen. Like a furry dinosaur. Yeah. The f- fun fact is the animal keepers would have to get in. They'd have to brush the buffalo. They would have to ride the buffalo. No, they would have to brush the buffalo. Mm-hmm. Which was always quite a task. And I think that happened at whatever season they kind of needed a shed. Probably spring. Yeah. All right. They got that like weird shag carpet Uh on like the side of their (laughs) their ribs. And they'd have to go in and brush that off of them. Um, I like the buffalo. I also love the prairie dogs. Andy, what was your favorite (laughs) animal at the zoo? Um, I like the buffalo. I like the prairie dogs. I also love the atrium. I also remember the snakes being terrifying. Yeah, I got scary vibes in the snake exhibits. And that's because snakes put off scary vibes. But I can't tell. Like, I feel like I had such a cool, 
like I got to go in there and would see the snakes get fed and I got to see owls be fed. I got to see the back cages of like the mountain lions. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised you don't own a zoo right now. I should Google if there are any zoos for sale. No, it's a lot of work to run a zoo. Uh, I mean, if you've seen Tiger King. I don't want to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is not AZA regulation. It, do you know what AZA regulation is? Because I do. Let's see. American Zoo Academy Association? Yeah, it's like an accreditation. If you oh. don't, If your zoo doesn't have that, then it means you're not doing things correctly. And your dad actually got the zoo accredited, yeah. I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> I would like to think that you helped in that in some regards. Mm, I also like the javelinas. I forgot about the javelinas. Yeah. So this zoo was all native animals to that desert region of New Mexico. So they're, they didn't have like penguins and elephants and stuff like that. It was like natural occurring wildlife in New Mexico. Like javelinas and snakes. And mountain lions and owls and prairie dogs. That's pretty cool. Buffaloes, antelope, deer, elk. Was there Uh, elk? There's deer. I think there was elk. I remember elk. Yeah. From my few field trip memories. Well, Andy's dad bought a zoo. And in other news, what else do you have? Um, I think that's all. Well... My beer of the week this week, just moving forward, is Modern Times Hazy Mosaic IPA, which is good. And Modern Times is another brewery in San Diego with multiple tasting rooms in Los Angeles. They're actually quite the diverse company and have a bunch of pretty exotic flavors, which makes it hard to know where to start, but they have a lot of good options. Yeah, I like I like to think of them as the like mad scientist of breweries. Mm. I forgot that we we have been to a tasting room here, and in Santa Barbara. Yes, but the one that we went to in LA, we went with someone who had like the special, the exclusive club membership. Which means when we went, we got to try even more special flavors. They do a lot of like, um, and by we, she means me. I tasted lots. You did. You did. Yeah, taste. and I actually found a beer that I like. Do you remember what it was called? No, <laughs> but they sell it at Trader Joe's. Maybe it's the one I'm drinking right now. No, it was no. Yeah, I doubt it's it. It's like a fruity one. Yeah, raspberry something. No, but anyway, uh, yeah, they make a lot of like really chocolatey dessert beers. Uh huh. And then they do a lot of fruity ones. They have a, a very big selection and it changes. And yeah, it was fun. They were one of the very first actual like beer, beer that I tried in there. And I was like, yeah, I could drink this. Yeah, in a small Dixie cup. No, I could have drink in like... Two small Dixie cups. Three. Three small Dixie <laughs> cups. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, but... Yeah, you should go. If you ever run, you should go. It's a good, it's a fun time, but unfortunately, right now, all the bars are closed. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. If you're in your grocery store and you see Golden Road Brewing or Modern Times Beer, just give it a try. Give it it's a probably going to be pretty good. You know, rock your socks off. <laughs> <laughs> it probably won't do that. 
But yeah, unfortunately, all the bars are closed because we're basically in second round of quarantine. It's interesting. We are in the second round, except they haven't actually like verbally said that word by mm. word because mm. I think it's too scary for them to say. But literally everything is closed down again. They, they give us small doses of information to keep us regulated. Yeah. But speaking of the bars being closed, thinking about that, it reminded me that we actually, and by we, I mean mostly you, created a mm. great COVID-19 playlist, which I think we should try share. to share. We haven't. We did it right at the beginning, mm-hmm. like in March. Yeah. And we haven't really done anything with it since, but yeah. it's so, I'm, I'm very impressed by it. It's basically a bunch of like old school hill country Texas music. Yeah, not even Texas. It's like... Just like classic country. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote down a few things. Like, hold on, but not classic country, like Toby Keith country, no, like, no, like earlier. Old school. Yeah, like, earlier. I think we're talking like, what? what is like George Jones and like Merle Haggard? Is that like 60s, 70s? I don't know. I don't even know. When country was still cool before it turned into like (laughs) pop music. Make country great again. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It is like a hidden talent of mine to. It it is. There's some. There's some great songs. So literally, I think it's like four or five down in the list. There's a song by George Jones that's titled "If Drinking Don't Kill Me." Parentheses. Her memory will, but. Uh, the first lines are, the bars are all closed. It's four in the morning. I must have shut them all down by the shape that I'm in. And as a society, we shut the yeah, bars I guess, down like, by if the Amer- shape that we're if in. If the United States had an Instagram, that would be their bio. <laughs> <laughs> it would be the song on their MySpace page. Yeah. A couple other songs are, Are the Good Times Really Over? By Merle Haggard and Wasted Days and Wasted Nights. Oh, that one's really good. By Freddie Fender. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of good ones. We'll figure. Maybe we'll figure out a way to share it via Spotify yeah. or something. But I'm pretty proud of. I it. I mean, you don't have to be into country. It's like not one of those things where like I love country music, but like it's just classic. Like it's like dark humor almost. Yeah. 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 So there you so. go. Cool. Anyways. I just realized I have one more podcast announcement. Okay, go for it. This morning, it was Saturday morning. This morning was Saturday morning. You may be listening on a Saturday. And you may not. You may not. Um, We did something that I've been wanting to do for two weeks. We went and got a cinnamon roll and coffees from a place in LA in Frogtown called Just What I Needed. Yes, I think that's right. Hold on. In my mind, it's, I needed this. No, but you said that earlier, and it was wrong. But I did need it. I did need it. Just what I needed. Well, that's just what I needed. It was the best cinnamon roll I've ever had in my entire life. It was Ever. It was very good. Ever. it's, It's like the perfect middle cinnamon roll. I think they're all like this, like... The texture of the dough throughout the entire cinnamon roll was just perfect. And then the like cream cheesy frosting on top was just like light. It wasn't too sweet. Lemony. It was all vegan, which. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. It it tasted insane. And the coffee was so good. 
we were talking we call it like when coffee is really good we call it vacation <laughs> vacation coffee because <laughs> the coffee we make is often terrible yeah, is it it just tastes it's like it's punishment it tastes like punishment yeah it tastes like not great but you just do it because it's fine and i know we could try harder in the morning but so when we have like spend money and get like a really good coffee it's just so nice it's vacation coffee so it's vacation coffee cinnamon roll was amazing it was very good branding was perfect yeah in Frogtown, a cool spot yeah it was all safe you didn't go inside they met you at the door you place your order blah yeah. blah blah um so yeah if you're in la you should go i think we might make it oh, like our at, at least twice a month special treat yeah at so least. good they do pie they have other stuff not just cinnamon rolls but the cinnamon roll was amazing yeah go for the cinnamon roll yeah. stay for everything else so seth what is our topic this week this topic is a tongue twister for me sally sells seashells <laughs> by the seashore what's another one supernatural seashells by the seashore what's another didn't you do this for singing what's another tongue twister uh, Wasn't there know. like a Mother Mary like there's like an M one? Well, for for starters, I don't really sing, and you I went to school for singing. I did an internship for music, not for singing. How now, brown cow? I saw Susie sitting in a shoe shine shop. What was with that pop? Did you just like know. pull a lollipop out of your mouth? <laughs> no. Where she's. Uh, where she sits she shines and where she shines she sits you try that one no if i said that we'll definitely make this one explicit (laughs) please try it it's a second second bullet point well it takes a lot for me to not lisp naturally just go for it where she sits (laughs) (laughs) she (laughs) i can't do it she shines and when she shines she she sits well, this the one underneath it is Seth at Sensberry sells thick socks. Hold on, that was not. No one understood what you said. Seth at Sensberry sells thick socks. Can we just like take a moment to address that when I was in first or second grade, um, the teachers whisked me away to basically a speech. <laughs> <laughs> Case in point, a speech pathology class, which (laughs) is a terrible phrase for somebody who has the lisp that I do, which is with S's and T-H's. So if your name is Seth, you're doomed. Yeah, no one ever knows. Like when we're at restaurants, they never understand what Seth's name is. Oh, yeah. I I absolutely, especially if it's like Mexican food or anything of that sort, I'll just tell people that my name is Zach. Because on the phone, I get, like, I'll get the food and they'll say, like, Sith or Zeth or Sam or, like, something kind of crazy. So I I try to play it safe with the hard consonants. I have another one. Okay. Okay. Nine nice night nurses nursing nicely. No, I'm not doing that. Why? <laughs> because I've already made fun of myself enough. But I want to pick one that you will do. How many cookies could a good cook cook if a good cook could cook cookies? Oh, I a good cook that. could cook as many cookies as a good cook could cook cookies. 
<laughs> okay. Well, if you just joined in, we're <laughs> saying weird phrases into a microphone. How many cookies could a good cook cook if a good cook cookie could cook cookies? A good cook could cook as much cookies as a good cook who would cook cookies. You didn't do very well. <laughs> In my mind, I did, but I apologize okay. to everybody listening. This is fun. I'll just make Sadhu do this later. Uh, Thanks yeah, for yeah, indulging. Yeah, yeah, nobody needs to listen to my lisp any longer. So, what's our topic? <laughs> so, tongue twisters. Our topic is okay. Our topic is what's more important: doing the right thing or doing things right. Uh, I have a hard black and white stance on this. Yeah, I'm sure, because this is a topic that you picked. Mm -hmm. This is like a topic that we would have discussed for like six hours throughout a week in one of my philosophy classes. So I think even when I first, when we first pulled this and looked at it, I don't think I quite understood what it was. Like I had an idea of what it what it is but then as i kind of got more into it i realized what it actually was mm -hmm. so why don't you just give us kind of like an overview of what this is all about okay i mean i think i am going to reference enneagram type ones okay or type a personalities so doing the right thing doesn't matter about the actual steps Doing things right means that in your brain, you see these right steps that need to be taken or this organizational pattern in which I'm doing all of these A to F steps correctly. So then that means I must have done the right thing. But your end result could not actually be the right thing just because you did all the steps right. I think it's almost like, doing the right thing takes a little bit of a bigger picture and it means you're not so like micro focus on the steps to the end result you're more focused on like the bigger the bigger thing now do you feel like this is something that is is more geared towards an overarching view of your life personally or is this about certain scenarios uh either either that's not what you wanted me to say. <laughs> no, no, nothing. I think it's more, personally, I think it's bigger picture. I don't think it's about a, a specific. I, I mean, I think you're right. I think it's it's both. It's about an instance where you're kind of stuck between the two. Mm -hmm. And also it relates more personally to our trajectories in our life of what the hell we're doing. But I, okay, so I think I am on the side of, I think it's more important that you do the right thing rather than you do things right. Wouldn't you say that everything you learn to be a director of photography, mm. there's hard rules on how you do things, but you can make something great and wonderful and that connects with people when you break those rules. Yeah, yeah, yes. Mm -hmm. But there's a balance. There's an absolute balance. Film school for me was a great example of maybe maybe this. And I think it ties in a lot more things than just this question. But I remember coming preschool. <laughs> not not preschool. <laughs> not before K through 12. BC. But BC, before 
school. So before I went to college, quote, I learned some technical things from some people who were great. Mm -hmm. They taught me a lot of things technically, and they and they were creative. But I, I realized there was this there's this these kind of like two frames of mind when it comes to all of this stuff where certain people are very technical and they lean on that very heavily where they go through the process of this is the right way to do things mm -hmm. which then results in great images like especially in that field it's so you could film, film a hummingbird at like 200 frames a second and it could be gorgeous and slow motion mm -hmm. and crazy but it doesn't really have a much of an, an emotional impact but then going into film school, it was the opposite, where there's a lot of people who had really great ideas, but terrible execution. Mm -hmm. So although the approach was, was good, like they were doing the right things, they weren't doing it right. Mm -hmm. And it also missed the mark because it was distracting. Mm -hmm. So I do feel like there's a an inherent balance that you have to have between the two and not get hung up on either side to where you just mix the two to admit to eventually create something that it has an emotional impact but also is done right yeah i think it kind of boils down to like different personalities like i who i actually am is not a type one or an Enneagram one or a type A personality. I mm -hmm. might have been raised by people who were, so I do have like this tendency to be aware of those things, but who I actually am as a person is not that. So if I were to follow everything step by step, my end result would be less than and not as right if I would have just trusted my instincts. So I think it's like taking knowing yourself to know which one you're supposed to do because i think if you are an enneagram type one or a type a personality i'm definitely not saying like you shouldn't be that way because like i literally think your brain works different different yeah. and you see things in that step-by-step -step form but i think for me personally what's more important is like end result is the right thing mm. and like I often don't know how I get there. I just know that I do. Yeah. And it does remind me of math class, <laughs> which the last math class I took was in... 2003? 11th grade. 2004. 2004. I was never, ever, ever good at math. And part of the reason... I wasn't good at math was 50% of the time I would get the right answer, but how I got there wasn't right for my teacher. Cause you cheated. No, <laughs> I didn't cheat. So how did you explain your steps? How did you know that was the answer? I don't know. Magic? I literally like didn't understand math at all. And they like would explain things and then we'd have to do stuff. And literally 50% of the time I would get the right answer, except that I got the right answer in the wrong way. And my teacher's literally like, sorry, like, no. And so I think even that, remembering that now, I'm just reminded that that's how I work in that way of like, what matters is that I do the right thing. Mm. So it's like, the steps can be real blurry and I don't need to account to anyone for my steps as long as like 
the core of who I am and what I'm doing is like trying to do the right thing. Well, how do you know what the right thing is? How do you, you asking that question to me, it's like, how would you not like what, what type of brain and body would you have if you didn't know what the right thing was? Well, I think, I think the film industry is a great example because anybody who wants to be a director or have some significant position, you look at all these people who are in those positions and the path to all those positions are all over the board. There's not one path. So you want to do something and then it kind of just leads to one thing and it leads to another thing and it leads to another and you ultimately end up there. But if you want, if you're at the bottom and you want to end up there and you're asking, what is the path to get there? To me, there's no answer. It just kind of one thing leads to another and you may be fortunate enough to get there or not, or you may do the right things to get you there. And it's how do you delineate between the two? But I think like both you and I have lived a life, even even our experience is very different, but since being little, like we've been, people have told us and basically handed down like, oh, life should look like this. Yeah. You do this and right. then you do this the and steps. then this happens and then you get this and then you do this and then you get this. Yeah. And I think our experience is very much like, no, that's actually not how it works. I'm not saying it it doesn't work like that for some people, but I think you and I actually harbor a lot of like resentment and anger at people who that does work out for them because I think you and I are both people who have tried to do it by A plus B equals C, sure. then you move on to Right. Uh, yeah, whatever. You try to do things right. And I think at this point in life being in our 30s, it is kind of like Oh, like I'm following the steps that weren't meant for me. Like I don't fit that mold. Some people might. And I think that's a funny thing. Even this is like a very philosophical question. There's not really a right or wrong answer. I feel much more heavily on what matters more is that you do the right thing than doing things right. But there's points, good and negative points on each side. Yeah. I'm just really hung up on like how to figure out what the right thing is. Because it seems like all I want to do, and I have no idea. I think it's more complicated for you because you're a three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for anybody else who's a three. Yeah, sorry. Well, I, interesting. I looked up a little bit online. I went back to my uh, illiterate corner of the internet and found some <laughs> some basic uh, understandings. And so a website, sitepoint.com, kind of like just like went through this talking about doing the right thing versus doing things right. And it kind of compared and contrasted, it's tactical thinking versus strategic thinking. So tactical thinking is doing things right, whereas strategic thinking is doing the right things. And that's typically based in like leadership and creating the vision, whereas tactical thinking is management and implementing the vision. So you kind of, Mm. so it's kind of talking about having like the necessity of having both. Mm-hmm. to do both to kind of get where you, you want to go but i mean it's like what if you do something right but it's the wrong thing to do do you think you've done that that's where all my anxiety is so i like with my career it's all about being in the right place at the right time or yeah. being more more so being prepared at the intersection of opportunity so having and. done the right things to then like have enough luck to make the right connections 
or do the right things at the right time. So, for example, even right now, we're in L.A., and we've been here for a couple of years, and I've, I've felt like this is the right thing to do mm-hmm. because this is where I need to be for my career. Mm-hmm. This is where things happen. These are where connections are made. Mm-hmm. So I have this constant anxiety of I have to be, if I've had to be here, and I need to be here, and I need to be making the right connections and doing these things. However, for example, this last week, a colleague of mine just um, sent me a message about a friend of theirs who is doing a project back where we were from. And somebody who I've wanted to work with for a while. And I've missed out on that opportunity because I wasn't back where we're from. So in my mind, I'm like, did I make the right decision? Like, yeah, but I think you're seeing all of it as professional opportunities. And yeah. you're seeing it as like an outward success instead of an inward success. Which I think is a three. That's yeah. where my whole mindset is. And it's hard mm-hmm. to kind of back out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so the opposite, but what about doing the wrong thing but doing doing it right? I think that I've definitely done the quote-unquote wrong thing, but for the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah. A good example of this is today we were at a small, uh, I guess it's a farmer's market in mm-hmm. Silver Lake, and we were just kind of looking around, and there's a lady at the shop who was running it in like vintage clothes and kind of random bits. And she said to some other customers talking about her business and how she got started. She said, Oh yeah, I was in New York and I worked for an ad company and I was a project manager working for them, but I hated my life. And so obviously in, in that moment she was successful in that place and time in her life. She was successful doing things right, making money, working for a company with a safe career, mm-hmm. but she hated it. So she ended up leaving and now she's you know, selling vintage clothes online and in a place she seemed happy. She seemed yeah. great. So I think that's a great example of this debate mm-hmm. of what is more important. And I think ultimately it takes like a deep intuition. And I, th- I do think for you, it's harder for you to be in touch with like, your intuitive nature because i think you almost have like this gas pedal on like success and like uh production so anything that gives you like busy work or activity or production it like spins your wheels in this way of like this is right this is good it's moving forward and it's a lot harder to like pause and know like what like besides that nature of you like what that part of you is needing and wanting and I think for me being a six and we joke about this like I say this all the time like I just feel like a mole in a hole like it's a lot easier for me to be like this is exactly how I feel because I think I spend a lot of time feeling like I sit in this dark hole by myself which sounds so sad um but I think by doing that I have an easier time with saying, like, I think this might be right. Yeah. Even if the steps are kind of, like, wonky and, like, don't feel like the quote-unquote what you would read in a book or magazine is the right thing to do. Which I think this is the reason this is a really good, you know, classic critical question. Mm -hmm. Because even for me, pursuing the thing that I'm passionate about and Mm -hmm. I want to do, it feels great 
I, I love it and it and I feel motivated and I feel like I want to you know go down as far as I can however at the same time you know we're in our 30s living in an apartment in, L- in LA when we look at people who we know who just have normal jobs back in where we're from or other mm-hmm. places which shows a safe career path that you know is financially sustainable or which is financially safe and they you know, own homes and you know mm-hmm. multiple vehicles and all these things not that i can't do that in my career but not you know we're in a place so that we're not quite at the same level of security mm-hmm. so then i have this constant debate internally whether pursuing this path was the right thing to do yeah or should i have just done something safe that is more secure that then just gives us you know a good life not that we don't have a good life but yeah i don't know it's just this thing that i like continually struggle with internally yeah i think ultimately if you feel like you're kind of in between the two or even if you feel like you're on one fence or the other the most important thing is to like constantly ask the questions of the questions yeah, yeah like yeah. you just have to question yourself and your thoughts and where you are and what's happening and and I think that's like the most important thing is like you the beautiful beautiful thing about being a person at least in our culture is you get to make a decision and then you can make a new decision yeah. our decisions aren't set in stone um, it can feel really hard to make a decision to create change in your life but ultimately if in six months or four years that doesn't feel right you make a new choice and we have the ability to do that um i think that's what doing the right thing is about is like constantly checking in with what feels right and then adjusting that way instead of being like well i've already made a through z choices so i have to keep on this path um at any point you can pivot at any point you can make a new decision it just matters like what that internal compass feels like doing which are the lady at the the market is maybe a great example of mm-hmm. doing the right thing for a certain amount of time until you realize that she was unhappy she wasn't happy so then at that point she had to make a decision to do the right thing to do, for her do the right thing for her and it is singular obviously yeah it is different for everybody but it's a good question of knowing what that is and knowing what decisions you have to make yeah it's even now it's like i'm very hardcore like no it's more important to do the right thing but i think we probably ebb and flow between the two Mm -hmm. at different stages and you compensate like in relationships when Mm -hmm. you know we you compensate for each other during ups and downs Mm -hmm. it's kind of the same in your life you have to do you have to work a certain job for a certain amount of time to have a certain amount of you know stability to then venture into the thing that you want to do that is mm-hmm. you know less secure but is more that just makes you feel like you're doing the right thing for yourself mm-hmm. and ultimately i think that's what the debate is is are you making the right decisions for yourself you. mm-hmm. yeah which i think in our culture we've made it at least for our generation i do feel like the younger generation seems to be a little bit more in touch with who they are i think Hmm. our generation we were built a little bit more on 
you're the greatest, go to school, get good jobs, have good things. And so I think it's a little bit harder for us to figure out who exactly we individually are. (laughs) And I think that's just part of the process. I don't think, again, I don't think that's true for everyone or every generation, but yeah. It, it is it is tough. I was telling somebody this week about my college experience and about how right after high school we both we both moved out of state and did an internship or or actually you you went to college and I picked mm-hmm. up nickels. <laughs> but so after that time I decided that I needed to go to school, which is something that nobody in my family had done at that point. So I was kind of on my own and just went to the community college down the street and showed up three days before classes started and said, hey, I'm here to enroll for college. Vomit. Like, I would die of anxiety. And, you know, ignorance is bliss because I had no idea what I was doing. And so, you know, there was some nice, you know, academic advisor that was like, maybe marketing would be a good degree for you. Because they they were like, apparently you need to know what you want to study to go to college. <laughs> so in this community college, I started studying economics and, you know, th- those basic classes. Mm-hmm. I had an opportunity to play music at the same time, so I left for a couple weeks to do some music, tried to stay up with things. Which is hard. That's a hard thing to try and do with classes. Most people are not accommodating for something like that. And it turns out that they weren't. Yeah. <laughs> and I ended up like flunking mm-hmm. um, out of at least a couple core classes to the point not where... Not because you didn't do good work, but because you missed so much or you didn't turn things in because you were gone. Yeah, and th- this is a long story because I actually did some of the work that didn't get turned in. Um, so we can go into that later. But, but yeah, I ultimately ended up failing out of a couple core classes who wouldn't let me you know, turn some things in. And one of them, I just ended up walking out and never returning. And that was it was pretty defeating because mm-hmm. I thought I was doing the right things. Yeah. And and it ultimately ended up, you know, going south. I did finish a couple of classes, and it wasn't until so if that was when I was like nineteen, it wasn't until I was twenty four that I went back to school. Uh, your your parents obviously encouraged that, and. That was right at the point where I got into you know the film world, and was very interested and mm-hmm. very passionate about it. So I actually ended up finishing a four year degree in three years because, yeah. to me, it was the right thing to do because that was what I wanted to do. But ultimately, I kind of come back to: was that the right thing to study and pursue? Oh yeah, I don't think you should go back. I don't think it's about us going back in our past because I think choices like that that was what was right but i think it's a constant check-in presently of like where do i turn like do i keep going forward do i turn left do i turn right it's not so much like oh man i should have stopped at the gas station 35 miles ago (laughs) it's not backwards it's it's about like a present feeling of like where do i take this now yeah and i think that it for me it's been a long process of understanding all of that because for a while i had a lot of regret and shame about where i came from or my past or what i didn't have or what i didn't do and where i was 
But it, it took me a long time to realize that all of those things that I did have impacted me to who I am today and have given me a kind of distinct point of view and approach to everything that I'm doing that is different than everybody else. And that's, it kind of goes back to everybody's path is different and your point of view in life doesn't have to look like everybody else's. It doesn't have to be the same approach or make the same decisions. There's people I know who are way younger than I am doing what I'm doing who are far more successful. But I do... I but do, that doesn't mean that you're not doing the right thing. doesn't mean I'm not doing the right things. And it doesn't mean that I'm not going to be at the level that I want to be. But I also can't kick myself, you know, put myself down for not being there or being that person. Because that all those experiences is what makes me who I am gives me the point of view that I have yeah so I I think that your answer still is to just do the right thing yeah I think I think ultimately I see it a little differently than you I think that you must experience life as I'm doing the right thing and then after you make that decision, you're doing the right things hmm. for the right thing that you hmm. chose to do. I guess that's true because when I started the path into my career, there's like a million branches you can go down. Mm-hmm. What I started out doing was way different than what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. But it was what I thought I should do. But I think there's a certain aspect to understanding that when you're doing something that feels wrong that feels like it's not you then that strikes a strong chord and you're able to branch off and you're able to then veer in the direction of like yeah i can do that and i understand this but this isn't what i like to do and what i want to do so i'm going to actually take this angle and pursue it in this way yeah i think that's in your personality is to it's like almost like a timeline like hard points of i'm making the right choice and then followed by 35 steps of the right thing and I think I've also lived that way but I think that I'm a little bit more in tune with how I'm actually feeling and so I think I've realized that by doing that I suffer um so I've been so committed to my commitments that I will suffer and be unhappy and do things I don't want to do and compromise myself because of the overall commitment that I've made. And I think I'm at a point where it's like, I don't want to do that anymore. So I also have no answers at this point. I just know that that's not how I want to think or how I want to function personally. Uh, I think some people are doing just fine operating that way. But for what I discovered is those bigger commitments were not actually like my commitments. They were what I thought I needed to do or what I almost had to do. And then I followed that with day in and day out commitments that ultimately weren't feeding or speaking to who I was as a person. And with you saying that, it does remind me that you know the human instinct has natural responses in time, in hard times. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's hardwired into us to either, you know, fight, flight, or freeze. So I think this also happens in a career sense. You know, there's, there's moments where you have to make decisions that are just safe and secure, but then there's moments where you have to kind of, you know, stand up and fight against, like, what that path is. And there's also moments when you have no idea. You have mm-hmm. no idea what's going on, so you're kind of just, you're frozen and just letting it play out. And, you know, a certain amount of years can go by to then you're able to, you know, either cont- continue to, like, actually, this is what I need to do in order to be in the place I want to be in the next mm-hmm. 10, 20 years, or completely go against the grain yeah, and not you know, not know why exactly you're doing that. Yeah. I think it's a big thing too. Something I've thought a lot about recently is just, so we're in our early thirties. Our parents' generation are people who like stayed in jobs for like 18 to 35, 40 years. Um, I, I think that they've always looked upon us to follow in that suit. Like you get a job, you stay in the job. You, You get promotions, you get upgrades. So I think even that generation is seeing that that's kind of just not even irrelevant. So I think like if I was to speak intuitively at all, I think at this point in the world, even now in 2020, I think the most important thing is to constantly like season by season be checking in with yourself and knowing and understanding that like there's not a limited amount of pie for everyone like Mm. you can shift and pivot and make new choices and don't have the limiting belief that like there's not enough for you that there's a a limited amount of slices available yeah and i think even now that's such a hard thing to think about because things feel so fucked up (laughs) right should i just go work at trader joe's if i can even get a job but the thing is like yeah, if that feels right, then go and do that for eight months, and yeah. then pivot again. I think yeah. the thing is like pivot is a is a key word. Do what you need to do, and just know that like that season could last three months, eight months, two years, ten, years. and you get to make a new decision. And if it feels good, you stay in it. And if it doesn't feel good, you you reassess and you make new decisions. I think the thing that's hard for people our age is like we're coming from a generation of people where we've only seen them do one thing Mm. and so we think that we also have to just do like one or maybe two or like if we're horrible three things but we can do so many things interesting topic the the thing i read earlier talked about doing the right thing but doing it wrong Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us get stuck in these scenarios where we are doing the right thing, but it's not working out and we give up and then we feel hopeless. Like the example they were giving was the business they started, they were cold calling, mm-hmm. trying to get clients. And they got two clients, one of them they ended up having to give the money back. And so then they ended up giving up totally. But then talking to somebody else who's doing the same thing, they found out that the main way they got clients was by cold calling. And so ultimately they found out that they were just doing it wrong. So I think that's the other part of it is that we do, I think millennials, quote unquote. Are we millennials? We are millennials. Okay. 
Millennials make a lot of right decisions, but if it doesn't work out immediately, we don't know what to do. Don't know what to do, and you give up, and you don't know where to go from that point. So it's kind of two part. It's doing the right thing, but having persistence to figure out how to do it right. Yeah, which I feel like we're getting down a rabbit hole in this, but even <laughs> even that, like, it's the whole like American dream thing. It's like. Yeah. You know, does success actually mean that you own your house, own two cars, own a water sport vehicle, have three kids and they're all in sporting activities and two golden retreats? Like, I think it just all comes back to like, what does success actually mean and feel like for you? Keyword feel. What does success feel like for you? Um, Because it can be very different from person to person. Yeah. So. Well, life is hard. So, <laughs> welcome to the journey and listening to us talk about what's hard for us. Yeah. Personally. But thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't come up with any answers, but I think that we've made a great comparison that wherever you are on that scale is fine. Just keep being present, keep asking questions. Don't feel shitty if you have to pivot. Yeah, and the key is just being being aware of how you feel and where you are and what you even want to do. Yeah. But it's weird times, and we are trying to pivot and trying to do things differently. Yeah, and I guess if it makes anyone feel better, just... Yeah, both of our... One car's dead. One car literally is about to break. We live in a tiny apartment that sometimes it sounds like helicopters are landing in the courtyard. <laughs> we have lovely neighbors. That's a nice thing. We, we can a, walk to the grocery store. We have a tap dancing dog. We have a tap dancing dog. We yeah. We cannot we cannot record this podcast without a cat or a dog or an airplane or a helicopter like or a neighbor or some possum yeah. in the tree. Yeah, like it's fine like it's fine there are no possums we're all trying to do our best (laughs) and i trust that so thanks for listening yeah thanks for listening do your best make good choices i that's what it comes down to make good choices and is the right choice is the good choice the right thing or doing it right it depends on the moment you got to make good choices Depending on what circumstance, environment. There's no right answer. There's no right answer. No, that's the answer to philosophy. There's no right answer. Yeah, it's just a conversation. Yeah. You have to be present enough to answer it, though. To have the conversation. Mm Mm-hmm. Until next week. Until next week. Bye. Bye.